Luxury photography is one of the most competitive fields in the wedding industry and one of the hardest to break into because you've got to be great at so many different things. Yes, of course, your craft, that's a given. If your photos are not incredible, you got no chance. But beautiful images are not going to be enough to charge top dollar or book five-figure prices consistently. On today's episode, I sit down with Carter Rose, who's one of our clients that reached out a few years ago to get help making the move from premium to luxury, which is a handful of one-on-one sessions and a new website focusing on the right kind of client. Carter's been able to increase his prices by 250% and have the number of weddings he's taken. He's proof that the work less, make more dream is possible. If you're a photographer, please tune in. But if you're not, and you want to break into the luxury and whatever field you're in, you should also listen because the formula that we use with him is the same for you. This has been one of my favorite podcasts to record. Carter's a savvy business owner, and we all have a lot to learn from his success. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Sitting down today with Carter Rose, one of my uh, favorite and and longest lasting clients that I have had over the years. Carter, thanks so much for joining. Glad to have you on. Of course. Happy to be here, man. So before the podcast started recording, Carter and I were talking for like 20 minutes and we decided we finally should start recording and talking shop. Um, I'm really excited for the conversation today. Carter's got such a really great story and a great understanding of the business and his own business. Uh, there are times when I work with clients, Carter, I don't think I've shared this much with you, but I'm surprised and I'm like, oh, okay, that's a new thing. Or like, oh, that like I hadn't thought about that. Okay. And I remember several times in our conversations, especially when we first started, I was so impressed with the level of savviness that you operated your business. I was taking notes on my end and thinking, <laughs> I, I got some improvements to make and some of the advice I'm recommending because you, you're doing some stuff I hadn't even heard of. So well done. And I, I hope you drop some of those little tidbits in our conversation. But um, let's get you introduced to people before we, we get started. Why don't you go ahead and share a little bit about your background and you know what it is that you do in the wedding world? Yeah, sure. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you having me on too. And uh, I don't know what I possibly would have taught you, but I'll try to, try to figure out what that was as we went along. I will say I've done this a long time. You know, I started shooting weddings in 2005. I was 20 when I started. So I definitely like grew up in the industry and I'm still growing up in the industry. I started in Dallas, Texas. That's where I'm from. And, you know, that it's a very thriving wedding market there. So there were a lot of uh, opportunities to work with a variety of different people. And it was a pretty, it was a pretty good setup for someone learning. There's also weddings of all types there. There's inside, outside, huge scale, really small ones. So I felt like it gave me a perfect variety to kind of expand and to grow into. And then, you know, found you and have kind of been able to spread spread my wings a little bit. Yeah, and you you have you have definitely spread them. We have bald eagles where I live. I would say that um, you know <laughs> you, you've got the big six foot wingspan going now, um, and, and it's one of the reasons why I, I have you on. You know, I just started doing these kind of client conversations, case studies, because so many people wonder how the people you know at or near the top get there, uh, and it doesn't happen overnight. It takes hard work, and you know a little bit of luck, uh, and so I, I'm really excited to hear a little bit more about your journey. And obviously you and I haven't worked together, you know, your whole career, you, you made really good progress, uh, obviously to get to the point where, you know, you were, you were at, and I just maybe provide a little bit of background. You and I started working together kind of, you know, end of 1920, uh, in, into 2020, you know, mm -hmm. right, right at that, that period in time when like the whole world ended up kind of turning upside down, um, yeah. Tell tell us a little bit about where you were at when you hit, you know, a ceiling or a plateau or however yeah. you would describe it when you first reached out. Yeah, no, for sure. I it's weird. 
it's weird to think about where I, I was and what I'm doing now. There's a lot of similarities there, but definitely some differences. Um, I had shot for a long time. Like I started in 05 and we started talking in 2020 ish. And so, you know, I had 15 years under my belt as a wedding photographer. And certainly in the Dallas market, I had a good reputation. I was doing weddings that were mostly pretty good. You know, they like they were fulfilling. They were nice weddings. At the same time, I felt like I was treading water quite a bit. That was one of the reasons I reached out to you. Like one of my big goals was I just didn't know how to kind of break out of the one spot I was in. And it was a good business. It was like my my wife was able to quit working when we had kids. You know, at that point, they were six and four. So we had been able to, you know, buy a house and vacation, do all those things just with my business, which was great. But it wasn't... I didn't see like a trajectory of it moving forward. So uh, yeah, I would say I was doing... At the time, I was doing, you know, 40 weddings a year. They were all in Dallas. They were all actually in one zip code. It was a really good zip code. It was a great zip code. It's a couple miles from my house. Like it was very convenient and very easy. And I think too, at the time, if you had said, uh, matter of fact, I used to say this, I used to think in my head, like, okay, if I do 40 weddings a year, I can really, if I put my nose down, like I can do a wedding in a week, right? Like the whole process, it takes a little longer, but spread, if you condense it down, it's about a week worth of work. It's 12 weeks off a year. Like that's pretty great. And then at the same time, my kids were getting older and they were like playing soccer and stuff. And that was a lot of games that I was missing. It was a lot of time away from family. So uh, I was happy. I definitely didn't want to like rock the boat and change things because things were going okay. But I, I saw potential there that I felt like maybe if I had like a sensei in my corner, I could unlock. I don't know. So I chose you as the sensei. I'm lucky that that was a good guess. Uh, I think that's a good about where I was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that. I think that sounds f familiar to me. And what's interesting is that you're not the only one who ends up in that spot. Uh, you know, I had Katie Mary on uh, last fall and I remember I was talking with her. I, I, I forget the numbers, but it was like she'd been in business for 17 years mm -hmm. and it was only like five years ago that she realized that she had also started to tread water and that she needed wow. to yeah. take the risk. Right. I, I think at some point there's always a line that we reach where our natural ability or our charisma or, you know, maybe connections, mm -hmm. oftentimes luck kind of runs out. And mm -hmm. at some point that happens to everybody. For some people, it's like six months. For some people, it's six years. For some people, it's 16 years. Yeah. Some people, yeah. it happens earlier and they never realize it. And I think that you're one of the people who recognize when it happens and if you know if you're listening to this and and you're wondering if you're there, you know I I I think that you should be self-critical and ask yourself, have I run out of that natural talent? Have I run out of that charisma? Have I gotten as far as I can get on my own? Because like you said, there's only so far you can get without having a sensei or a guide, yeah. uh, uh, you know, somebody to provide that direction. That's hard to tell too. I mean, looking at numbers, I I from 2005 to 2020, I never had a year where I generated less income than the year before. So I, I had growth every year. Um, and so that was one of the scary things was like, am I going to change things? You know, like we are growing. It just was a matter of like, by what percentage was it making me as happy? Like were the types of weddings and the relationships was building the, the ones that I wanted to, that were fulfilling to me? And did I want to devote that much time to generating that revenue, right? Like, could I get... Could I work on better events less often uh, with better fits? And I think that's where you were helpful. And, and also just providing like, hey, yeah, you can. You were a very honest cheerleader, right? Like, I, <laughs> Honest to a fault. <laughs> yeah. I, wasn't, I didn't get like, you can do it vibes from you. But you were like, uh, yeah, no, you can do it. Like I, this, we've looked at this critically. We've seen who your target market is. We've seen what your potential is, you know, you have some other skills like, yes. I, I remember you saying like, I wouldn't be telling you this if I didn't think it was true. You can do this. And that was very um, encouraging to me, especially as like a single bit, like a, a operator in a silo, right? We don't have, mm -hmm. we don't have feedback besides the couples that we deliver work to. And that's not usually that reliable feedback. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to get that that outside perspective. You know, that's 
that's certainly one of the things that I offer people. And, and, and it is helpful. Sometimes people don't like to hear what it is that I have to say. I, I try and do it as gently as I can. But most of the time, I'm finding the bright spots and trying to focus on those things. You had a lot of them. Um, and, and I want to get into some of those. But I'm, I'm interested. I want to pull on this thread a little bit, Carter. Yeah. What was it? Like you said that you were, you know, kind of uh, treading water. It, you know, what, what felt like you were falling up short? You know, what was it? What was there an area? Was there a sense? Was there a specific incident where you're like, okay, I'm going to need some help to get past this, this part of my, my growth? Well, yeah, I mean, it was twofold. One, it was just the realization that I'm working in the same zip code all the time, which was, again, great. Uh, I also had the foresight of saying, like, I don't know how long that's sustainable. I've, I've kind of been really connected to that group of people for at that point, maybe five or six years doing really well with it. Um, and I just felt like I didn't want to become the person when they were like, Oh yeah, we hired Carter, like, like everybody else like that. There was some fear, I think from there. Um, the big one, the big reason was I, in the middle of 2020, my wife and I, like everybody else were like, we need to make big changes. And so we, we very, I, I wasn't on a whim, but it was like kind of on a whim, but we moved to Colorado. That's the thing. So I went from living in Texas, a couple of miles from where all my weddings were to living 850 miles from where all my booked weddings were. And the big pull for that was that we just wanted to spend more time outside. We wanted to give our kids the opportunities to do cooler things and be able to play and run around and, and so I was like, I either need to expand my market to where I'm not just working at the zip code, or I need to make more per wedding so that I can accommodate my increased travel costs. And so those were the two big, like one of the one or one or both of these need to happen and we need to get there. And I don't really know how. I, I liked you because I felt like you provided an like an outsider's inside perspective. Like you're not in my family or a competitor. Uh, we're in my same field, but you very much understood. And I got the impression early, like we knew a lot of the same people. You know, I knew Katie from when she was at the Four Seasons in Dallas. Like you had understanding and credit in my mind of like, okay, he gets who, uh, what I'm competing with and what I'm trying to accomplish, but he's not, you were a safe space because you were far away and like not trying to also book weddings. So, uh, <laughs> That yeah, was the one challenge with mentors, me. right? Is that you never know if you're going after the same piece of business eventually. Yeah. And then it's like, eh, they don't really want to. I mean, I even find this. I help a lot of other photographers. Just pe- I have friends and people call me and I'm kind of an open book on what I do and why I do it. And there are in my brain, sometimes I've been like, I definitely like I see that I see them starting to do things that I'm doing. And I'm like, I don't know if that was great, but like rising tide raises all ships. Let's go, you know? Uh, so even if I can see it from my own perspective, I'm pretty open. I, I didn't want to have to think, is he not telling me something because we're competing here? I just wanted to know that I was going to get the honest feedback. And yeah, we certainly did. So I want to go back, Carter, to something that you said a few minutes ago, and that's that things were going really well. You had found success. You were in a good spot. You were making good money. You know, you're in a, a friend group that continued to refer you business over several years. Yeah, there were some risks. And yes, you had moved, but you hadn't yet re- reached your full potential. And I'm curious, tell me a little bit more about areas that you felt like you had more growth in when you're when you're thinking about, you know, marketing and selling your services, not the photography part of it, but but getting the business in the first place. What were you falling short in, do you think? Yeah, I mean, so I didn't know it at the time though, right? So like this is this is sort of me looking backwards and saying what were my problems. At the time I was just like these are the problems, I don't have any solutions. What we figured out the solutions were um my sales process was very cut and paste. So, you know, somebody would reach out, I had a PDF pricing list, I'd send it to them. If that fit within what their random idea of what was appropriate for pricing, for general photography based on, I guess, the pictures they saw on the website, they've set up a call and then we talked. Um, and that was that was not giving them the opportunity to get to know me. It wasn't giving me the opportunity to evaluate the situation and see if it was a good opportunity, if it was a good fit. Um, so I'd say the first big one that I was falling short on was just the way that I was going about connecting with clients, or I'd say the lack thereof. Um, 
I, uh, the biggest one I had, like the thing that made me call you specifically was I kept hearing people say, and I was listening to you at the time because you were doing, you know, COVID zoom clubhouse. I don't remember what the thing I was. was I was time. everywhere helping people you out. Do- no, it's, like good. it's perfect. Um, you kept saying like you, if you want to charge more, if you want to connect better, you need to show your value. You need to increase value, increase value to increase, you know, the, what people are willing to invest in you. And I had literally no idea what my value was. Like, if you asked me, what is your value? I'd be like, I don't like, I don't know. There's better photographers out there, like lots of them out there than me. You know, there's people who do all kinds of things better. So I couldn't necessarily articulate uh, what was valuable. What was cool is that during the process of working together with Lauren was my person who did um, website copy and kind of a... um, What's it like the buyer, the uh, client avatar, and I, all, all the ideal language? We figured out like people were really happy with what I was doing after they purchased it, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I was doing a really great job of building relationships with the clients, you know, making them feel that I cared for them, that I had their best interests, the work was good, they loved it. And this is why they were referring me and why I was like doing well in this small market. I just wasn't selling any of that before we talked pricing of the contract. So, so it was like, I was way under promising and over delivering, you know? And, um, the big shift was I, I realized, we realized like, I need to start building the relationship before they're purchasing. Um, so that it's not like, it's not about what they're, paying for, right? It's not like about what they're willing to pay. It's about trying to communicate the fullness of what they're actually buying. And so I can look back at old PDFs and like pricing PDFs and say like, I was trying to add value by being like three albums and four photographers and, you know, I don't random... <laughs> I'll work 24 hours a day for yeah, you on the wedding day. 25, 8 by 10 print. It's just all this dumb stuff. And when I look at what people are actually booking, because I'm sort of a numbers person and I track things incessantly, like nobody was buying any of that. They weren't buying any of it. They were just getting the minimum or the just slightly above the minimum because that didn't, they didn't care. Right now I fast forward and it's like, I'm, you know, charging a lot more than what I used to. And actually like from a product perspective, they're getting way less, but they, when they're making the decision to hire me, they're understanding the fullness of what I'm offering. Um, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't communicating that ahead of time like I should have been. Well, I mean, like you said, you can look back in hindsight and identify that as an issue. Most people don't know that's an issue. If you're listening to the podcast episode, you now know that's probably an issue, and and it is for almost everybody. Uh, you know, there's usually a better product strategy uh, for marketing and sales. If I can just have a better product, then I can mm-hmm. charge more. Or I, or if I have uh, more product then I can charge mm-hmm. more right so if like my photos are better or if I offer more photos then I can charge more money if I do more coverage if I offer more check boxes on the checklist or a more detailed timeline or mm-hmm. you know whatever it is or whatever it is that you do you know if I get flowers from Japan instead of from South America I can charge more but that just really takes care of a functional need and what you and I discovered is how important it is for you to communicate the emotional value that you contribute to the needs that they have for the wedding. It's yeah. feeling beautiful in front of the camera or knowing when not to get the shot because they're having a real meaningful connection with their mom or, you know, whatever yeah. it might be, you know, whatever it is that that you do as a, as a service provider that provides that intangible emotional value, that contribution to their experience, that's what you want to highlight. And, and I think what you said was that when you went through the process of your brand communication strategy and that excavation of what are those things that your clients need and what do you do to meet them, that's when you were like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, look at all this stuff that I'm doing that I'm just not telling people I'm doing. Yeah, they find yeah, out right. about it. And they tell, yeah. they told Lord about it and they told me about it in, in the feedback, but I, I, I just wasn't re- repeating it back to people before they bought something from me. Yeah. They had no idea. And I think I was like focusing on a sales process and I should have been focused on a relationship building process, you know? And so once they felt like 
that I cared about them and that I had their best interests in mind and that I was going to do everything I could to make them feel comfortable, you know, and that I was going to take time to figure out how their family interacted and related to each other. And then I was going to be sensitive to the fact that their brother's girlfriend's a little nuts, you know, and I was going to ask, like, they, they knew that I was their advocate. And I like, at this point, I don't even talk about photography in my sales calls at all, like 0% of the time. Am I actually talking about how I'm going to shoot things or the way I do things? Or it's just about more of the why that I feel like I'm there. Um, and, and that was the big shift. It's like, I started the relationship building early. So then people buy into it, you know? Um, and it's like halfway sold for me, which is really nice. Right. The other thing we did is we started talking about like, I don't know. I fancy myself like an emotional person. Like I, I'm kind of, <laughs> I feel like I think deeply at times. Uh, so I started writing longer captions on Instagram and, and with Lauren also, we got, it's my words and it's, it's, but it's put into nice quotes and things on my website about the way I feel about things. And people parrot that stuff back to me all the time. Like mm. people will read and engage in what I put out there and what I think anybody will put out there. You just, most people, and I wasn't putting anything out there for them to read and engage with. Um, yeah. I love that you said that, especially the, the parroting back. I was, I was doing a, Compass consultation, a 90 minute session with a client that we've worked with off and on for three years. We did her website recently and she was telling me that uh, she had heard a podcast where the guest was saying, you wrote my website for me and I I get parents or, or couples who inquire and they actually say the same thing on my website mm-hmm. that I had written. They're like, I read this and it really resonated with me or... They just say the words back and and she knows it is from her site. And she's like, I never believed that that was actually true. I thought there's no way if mm. they write my website, there's no way people are going to you know read it and quote it back to me. And then she said that it happens every week. She gets inquiries from people. And, yeah. and you're saying the same thing. That is, that is the power of it's called voice of customer or, uh, you know, in this situation, it, it's 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 identifying who your ideal buyer is taking what it is that they say by actually getting those words and phrases and then feeding them back to potential clients who go, who don't know what they want to need. And then they see it in writing and they're like, Oh, that's what I want to need. Now that I see it, I'm aware of it. And now that I'm aware of it, I have to get somebody to fix it for me. I need a solution to this problem that I'm now aware of. And that's when they reach out. That's how you build desire. And that's yeah. like you said, they're halfway sold before they ever even hit your inbox because the website did the work. Yeah. Well, and it's naturally, it seems like it's naturally selecting too, right? Like it's half of the people or more or whatever are like, that's not me. <laughs> you know, like I'm out. Uh, and then we don't have to worry about them. Right. But the people who are connecting with, it's not like we're convincing them or selling them of anything. We're just trying to identify what it is that they, that they've found a match with somebody who thinks and feels the same thing, maybe articulating it in terms that they can understand, but it's, it's finding a resin, like a way to resonate with what they're thinking. And I think I thought like voice of customer, I've got to pretend to be somebody I'm not right. I was really scared of that. I I didn't want to try to be somebody different because this is too much work. You know, (laughs) like I think I could do that for a minute. But if you're going to spend actual time with your clients and get referrals and they're going to be at multiple weddings, like some point that gig's going to come up. It's just way easier to try to be yourself, voice that in a way that is related to what their struggle is. And then finding the people who have that connection where those two lines meet up and you have a pretty good fit. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as you're just talking here, uh, you know, you and I didn't do that much work together. You know, I mean, I go back, I, I can't remember exactly what it is that we did, but I mean, we did like a handful of sessions and a sales process audit and you worked with Lauren and like you were off to the races, right? I mean, we're not, we're not talking about like immersive yeah. business therapy here where everything no, 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 was no, overhauled. No. no, I feel like we did six or eight calls, maybe, maybe it's less. Um, but I definitely, you know, you, you have a good gift of synthesizing things in a way that, you know, I needed to hear it. And I think I have a decent gift of taking information and applying it. I don't think I thought like sitting in the kitchen of my business, I wouldn't have told you that the ingredients were there to like have the recipe 
that's working for me right now. Uh, it just needed a couple of little things and it needed to highlight the right, like in the right ratios and I'm going with that analogy, but like, you know, like I needed some, some mixing to happen for it to connect. And I, I think that what works for me is not going to work for other people, but that, I don't think you'd try to do the same thing for other people necessarily. Like, you know, I mean, there's some systematic sales things that work. I definitely believe that, but I feel like it's more about discovering what are your gifts? What are your interests? How do, how can those relate? How can you highlight those? And then finding the right couples to match up. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the secret for luxury photographers, if you're a luxury photographer, luxury videographer, you know, I mean, really anybody who's downstream from a planner or a venue and wants to be in the premium luxury space is that you've got to have a solid website to attract and repel the right people. And you've got to have a killer proposal and then and to deliver, here are my options and here's the value and the differentiate your services from somebody else. And then, and then really that just leaves a discovery call to connect with the client. If you get yeah. a chance and if not, you know, if the planner doesn't allow you access then your proposal is doing the work for you. But th those are really the two things. That's why we develop services because I would work with guys like you, Carter, you know, before we started doing website copywriting or proposals and, and proposal copywriting, I would say like, here are the things that you've got to do. And Oh, by the way, you've got to have a really killer website and really killer proposal. And they would go, I don't know how to do that. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's what I what I love about your story. And the reason why I really wanted you on is that we didn't spend a ton of time working together. We, you know, we really focused on tweaking the sales process, getting you better inquiries, showing how to create value through making the client feel seen and heard and important. Mm -hmm. And then and then really dialing in the proposal and mm -hmm. letting that do the work for you. I remember when I first saw your proposal after you had made some you know, some goes at it. And, and, uh, I asked you to send it over to me and I was like, Oh boy, let's see what he did. And then you showed it to me and I was like, this is really good, Carter. Nice job, buddy. <laughs> like I was, I was really impressed. I'm curious how much of an impact do you think your proposal has on your conversion rate and the price point that you're selling at? I, cra I crazy amount. I don't know. Like it, <laughs> I, <laughs> and saying like the highest amount, I, it's a big difference. It is a big difference. And I feel like I, it, my proposal is not great. Like, I don't know. Like I look at it sometimes and I'm like, eh, I could do this better. For me, it's, it's a miniature version of my website that speaks specifically to them that has options that we've discussed already on the phone. And I think it's the priming effect. I don't know if that's the right term, but it's like they've talked to me at this point. So when they're looking at my proposal, now they're talking to me again versus just like looks fast forwarding to look at a number, you mm -hmm. know, they see a number with me which is very different than where I was before where they were just seeing a number. And so I try to infuse as much. I try to answer other questions that I know are going to come from parents. Cause oftentimes parents are involved with my weddings, uh, majority of the time. So I try to answer those things, be a little bit more uh, descriptive in terms. I provide, try to provide a lot of work. You know, there's some links to some slideshows and things like that. But no, it's it's doing the sales process because I'm talking to the bride mostly or the mom, and they've got to go back and convince whoever the other decision makers are, and I'm not there. So in my mind, they have the proposal up, and they're able to use that as a tool as my proxy. You know, when I'm not in the room, so, it is. It's, it's it's your foot in the door, and 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 then it's your voice in the room. And, yeah. and you're right. That that's why the proposal is so important. You know, I, I don't know what your numbers are, but my experience is with. Photographers, videographers, stationers, whatever they're selling at the level that you're selling, you're not getting a lot of FaceTime with the couple. You know, you no, you, yeah, and, and sometimes you you don't even get any time with a couple, and so your proposal literally is doing the sales work for you because the planner yeah. is collecting information from you and three others and sending it over to the couple and their family to consider. So yeah. it really it really helps. I will say this. So I think because because of the way that I work and communicate online it is a fairly like interpersonal relationship building style. I get about half of my weddings reaching out to me before planners. Now they've all hire planners. They all hire full service planners. They're very nice, expensive weddings, but I get a lot of people connecting with me, maybe 25, 30% before they're engaged, which is kind of wild. And that's just, what's crazy is that's just not in Texas anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm booking, you know, out of state in California, one in Charlotte. Like these are weddings I booked before they were actually engaged. And we didn't have 
like a close one-to-one relationship prior. They didn't directly know somebody that I had worked with. So the website copy and the the Instagram captions beyond like, this was Michael and Sarah's wedding and it was wonderful. And here are the vendors. Like that is paying huge dividends because it's letting me skip the line. I have a wedding I'm very excited about for next year. I got it because they reached out early. I was able to refer a planner that I had wanted to work with, but never had. They booked the planner and then booked me. So <laughs> rather than doing it the other way, I was able to actually get them a very nice wedding. Uh, now I have a chance to go do it with them, work with them and show them you know, what my in-person value is in photography and hope it goes well. So there's power in that. Um, I think if you feel stuck, advice I would give to other photographers is like, if you feel stuck where you can't get access to couples through planners or you can't get planners to refer you, there are ways to get couples who will hire planners. There's ways to jump the line on that. I love that. And I, I love your phrase, jump the line. I, I always call it getting in the side door. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of my couples that go from luxury to ultra luxury, you know, say maybe, maybe working in, you know, downstream from planners and they're, you know, they're in the 150, maybe $250,000 range. But sometimes they go up into, you know, weddings that are half a million dollars in budget. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard to get on a planner's list. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you got to get through the side door because you're not getting in the front door. And the way that you do that is by having the couple go, I want to hire you, but I've got some vendors that are priorities for me. I've done a lot of research. Mm-hmm. They're not probably, you know, non-negotiables, but they may feel like that. And so you can get your hat in the in the ring by having that connection ahead of time. And and really what you're doing on social media, on your website is that you're communicating to the couple and articulating the things that are non-functional emotional needs that they can't yet even articulate to their their soon-to-be spouse or their parents or a wedding planner. And you're connecting with that trigger. And and they're like, oh, he gets me or she mm-hmm. gets me. And then then they start to read everything because they feel like you know you're reading their mail and writing a response to it, and they've never even met you. So that connection is made very early on, and at that point, it's it's your it's your deal to screw up. Like you'd have to really screw things up after they inquire for yeah. them not to continue down the road with you. Like they'll they'll fight for you, they'll they'll pay more for you, they'll accept you know maybe mediocre experiences after they inquire, if you can set them up before they ever get in your inbox. Yeah. And I think the thing I didn't understand is I would have, if I was not me right now, if I was somebody else listening, I would think that what you just described was some kind of a trick. Like you need to sound like you're reading their mail, which means like I need to pretend to understand people I don't understand. And for me, it's like, no, I just need to be honest. And like, communicate and explain the way I think and feel about things so that when people who feel the same feel like it feels like I'm reading their mail. Yeah. Does that make it? I just think that's an important distinction that it's not like a game. It's just, it's be yourself and you'll attract the people that are in line with the way you are. I I think that's great, Carter. And I'm I'm really glad you brought that up. Uh, You know, I I get obviously people who listen in or read my stuff and, you know, they're not everybody's a fan. And and I get that. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Uh, One of the things that I I do hear from people, especially when it comes to buyer types and communication preferences and things like that is, you know, is that, well, you know, it's important not to be somebody who I'm not. And, And I'm glad you said that because I I would never want somebody to be somebody that they're not. I just want you to show the side of you that's going to resonate most with the person that you're talking to. Yeah. And, and which is what you just said. I'll give you an example for, for you, dear listener. Um, so when Carter and I were uh, getting on the, 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 you know, the pre conversation, uh, first thing I did was ask him about golf. Why? Because I, Carter and I both golf. And we, you know, we're both members of a club and we, we love golfing. Carter was just in Scotland and golfing and I was there with my family. And so we have those two things in common. So I'm going to talk about those things because I know they resonate with Carter. Just before this, I was emailing with you know, a client over in Italy and it was about something entirely different because she doesn't golf and, and we, we both hadn't been to Scotland. 
be, my daughter's going to get home from, you know, hanging out with a friend here in a couple of hours. I'm not going to talk to her about the same things I talked to Carter about. Right. I'm going to be the person that connects with each person in ways that are meaningful and important to them, not to me, but to them. And that's the same thing that you want to do when you're working with people in, you know, the sales process is you want to make sure that you're focusing on the things that they are interested in. If, if you overlap and align, like you said earlier, Carter, just focus on those things. Just talk about yeah. those things and avoid the other things. But I try to find the thing people. that I, yeah, I always try to find the thing that we overlap on because it's so much easier. I, I have this friend who's very funny and very smart and he has, he calls it the Boston Red Sox principle. And he's like, if he's ever in a group of people that he doesn't know and he wants to, make conversation and feel like he fits in. He, he find he can talk about a lot of things for a couple of minutes until he can get to the thing he like knows a lot about and maybe share it for him and spots and red Sox. So he seems like a genius when you talk to him, uh, cause he can skip, skip, skip. But for me in sales, it's the same thing. It's like you bounce off the wall, you see sort of what hits, you find something that they're interested in. You're also interested in, and then you can connect more easily on that. I'm not going to talk to somebody about the inner workings of Gucci fashion for spring. It's, I don't know anything about it. It's not my bag. And so I'm going to kind of skip around until we can find a way to relate. And that's, that's the way relationships work anyways, right? Like you, I have golfing buddy friends and I have musical theater friends and those are, you know, we talk about different things when we're hanging out. So with clients, I have clients who are into X and I have clients who are into, you know, Y and Z. There's some natural selection that happens there through the sales process and through the presence online. And then just finding those and kind of connecting through them. That's great. I'm glad you glad you brought that up. I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to talk about what success looks like. Obviously, you've achieved quite a bit of it. You know, you already had a lot of it by many measures when you reached out. You've had three plus years more of it. You know, how has your definition of success changed? You mentioned, for instance, that you know, I had booked X number of weddings and, you know, I was making Y number of dollars and, you know, that was great. And then this last three plus years has happened. What's changed for you? What does success look like now? Yeah, I think I'm focusing, I think I'm doing a better job of focusing in on what I actually find successful. Like there, we talked about this a lot in our calls and we had a follow-up call a while ago. I definitely have two sides. Like I'm an Enneagram eight, you know, so like I like to win, you know, like I just, I want to, I'm competitive and I want to win. And so there, are, there is one side of me that is definitely like, I have specific revenue or profit goals. You know, um, I think there's a shadow side of me. That's like, I want more Instagram followers, or I want to be on this list of X, Y, Z, or I want to be recognized by peers in some way. I think those are real. Um, I think I've gotten more focused in on like winning my schedule is more important than winning a particular job or a revenue goal. Um, and by that, I just mean like having time to do the things I want to do. One of those is work on weddings that I find enjoyable. Like I want to have time to be able to take on weddings and projects and weekends that are really cool with cool people and cool spots. I also want to have time to like be on vacation with my children uh, and go to their soccer games. Like I was doing 40 weddings a year. Now I'm doing 20 to 25. Like it's a lot more Saturdays um, where I can be around and we can hike and we moved to Colorado to be outside. I mean, I have this killer view. I, I want to be able to enjoy that. So success has shifted in some of those ways. Like, you know, my revenue from when we started to where we're at is 250% increase or just under it. I calculated before we got on, which is kind of <laughs> insane. Uh, so that's awesome. It certainly works. You know, my initial goal was to raise pricing by 50%. I went back and found some notes. Mm-hmm. So I went from a goal of raising it by 50% to raising it by 250%, which is pretty sweet. Um, you know, I, I think too, like, Success now is not booking the wedding because they inquired with me. It's finding like a win-win where I'm finding a client who I feel like is really after what I can do for them in in my best self uh, that I'm going to enjoy spending a lot of time with and that they're going to enjoy time with me. So 
rather than just booking weddings, I want to book weddings that are fulfilling emotionally, fulfilling relationally, fulfilling strategically. I booked a wedding today that is quite a bit under what my average sale is, uh, but I'm stoked about it. Like it's way under normal pricing. And I'm really excited about it because it's with a great planner, really like the couple. It's a killer venue. Timing's great. So shifting from just like, I need to be X, initial goal is 50% higher pricing. And now it's kind of like, well, like obviously I need to be in some kind of a reasonable range, but there are some other things that scratch that itch just as well. Um, I'm just as excited about that one as I am about the wedding that I booked for the most this next year, genuinely. Hmm. You know, I think a lot of people talk about raising their rates and you have as well, obviously, and you've done it. I What I hear from you and what I know in our conversations that we've had in the past recently is that, you know, you've really focused not so much on what you're charging, but on what you're doing with your time now that you have it back. And I can see you light up when you and I talk. You're like, I did this and I was here and I got to see my kids do this and Whit and I were doing that. And, you know, I've got mm-hmm. this in my mind and what, you know, I'm, I'm dreaming about things that are not having to do with work. And yeah. that's yeah. been the biggest change that I've seen in you over the last really 18 months is that yeah. our conversations are less about work and more about what you're getting from your business. Yeah. Well, and the business is taking me cool places too. But, you know, it's, it's kind of a... It's a, it, that's a total win-win, right? Like when you're doing better weddings, they come with some better opportunities. And so attracting those people who can sustain bigger, better weddings, that's a benefit of it. So it's not even just when I'm off, which is certainly a huge thing, right? Like I went from having 12 weekends off a year to having the majority of my weekends off a year. And it's kind of, it's awesome, right? Like <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty great. I, I want to caution something. So I, I've like talk with people often. Uh, I don't do mentoring or anything, but people call me and ask questions and I'm happy to talk to them. And I hear a lot of people say like, I want to do less younger photographers who aren't as experienced. Like I want to do less weddings. I want to do less, less, less. I don't know that I recommend that at that at any stage. I think you've talked about this before, but it's like, I got a huge amount of value from working really hard doing 35 to 45 weddings a year. I made tons of relationships. I had a ton of practice. All that was really important and beneficial. I think 18 years in now, stepping back to 25, which still sounds like a lot to a lot of people. Uh, To me, it's like I'm on holiday. But I think now I'm kind of at the place where I can think about doing that. But there is value to doing more too. Do you agree with that? I, I agree 100%. Yeah. I think it could be some of the most damaging advice that mm-hmm. I hear in the in the wedding industry. You know, I think a lot of the advice is solid for people who are at the stage where they have enough demand on their business and can charge enough yeah. to be able to make that happen, right? But like you don't go from doing 40 weddings to 20 to 25 weddings overnight. You can't just double no. your prices. Like it takes it takes repetition to get there, to build value, to create desire. You've got to put the work in and uh, it just takes people sometimes longer than others. But, you know, when you're first starting out, you've got to f- almost flood the market with, mm-hmm. you, you know, you and your presence and your work and getting more referrals. And, you know, the faster you can, you know, cycle through getting to 100 weddings or 200 or 500 or whatever that number is where you are technically skilled, you are creative, you have pattern recognition with where you need to be. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, especially as a photographer, you know, to to expand your network, to nurture, to feed water and fertilize those relationships that you have to build your portfolio, to have a little luck happen to you. You know, the, yeah. the, the yeah. more opportunity you put yourself on the spot for luck to happen to you, the more often it will happen to you. Yeah. And and I, I think what I do see a lot is that there's a lot of especially photographers or videographers or, you know, planners who are learning from mentors that are 15, 20, even 25 years into their careers. And they're showing them what they're currently doing now with their client yes. rather than what they need to do at the stage at which the people who are learning from them are in. And, yeah. and again, I'm not sliding anybody you know, specifically, but just in general, I just, I see it quite a bit. I see a lot of people who come to me and they're like, some planner told me to double my prices. 
I went yeah. through this mentorship or this program with this great person and they're like, your work is beautiful. You should charge more. And so I have, but nobody's booked for the last six yeah, months. No, not, now, I have no, now I have no business. Yeah. Now I have no business. Is there a dead zone? You know, what's right. going on? And I'm like, well, you, like, you, you can't just like, you can't jump up like Tom Cruise style, you know, like on the yeah. side of a mountain, like halfway up the mountain in some unbelievable, you know, feet. You have to make incremental gains in like little toeholds to get to the top. And if you go too fast, it can set you back. Yeah. Well, and I don't want to be cynical, but <laughs> but it also seems like sometimes that advice can be self-serving to the people giving me advice. You know, it's like, yeah, you should charge more. Like, I'm tired of you charging less than me and booking the clients. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but it just... It's there's a rhythm and there's a timing to this. I also didn't go, you know, I worked with you and then the first year I was charging a lot more and I still did like 37 or 38 weddings. I forget how many it was. 2022, I was down or down closer to 30, I think. In 2023, I'm in like the mid 20s and next year I'll be at about 20 to 25 again. I think that's a pretty, I feel, I feel like where I'm at this year is a good place to be. But it's even then, it's been like a sort of a very slow stair step to figure out what the rhythm is. You know, going with that though, it's a problem I'm having now is like getting used to hearing no more often mm. um, or saying no more often, which is hard. It's really difficult. Especially I like to win, but I'm also like part of winning is like making people happy, you know, mm. like, like a, that's a one healthy thing about my Enneagram aid is like some Enneagram aids just like want to win and they don't care. But I like want to win by making you love me. And so with clients, that's kind of hard sometimes because I get opportunities to do weddings where I realize I should probably not because it's too hectic of a schedule, like back to back to back weeks or something, or it's a wedding in a place that's not a great fit for me at this time. That's hard. And and that's, just, I think it's just like anything going to take practice. It, it does take practice. I think it, it takes a couple of things, uh, obviously self-awareness. And self-regulation and, and practice, you know, you change the goalpost, Carter, is what's happened. You've recognized that, you know, achievement is not based on getting somebody to say yes. It's making sure that the fit is good with yeah. price, with the project, with the personality of the client, with your schedule, um, mm-hmm. you know, wh- whatever it, whatever else it might be. So the, the, new, the new goal is what you're trying to hit. It's not the old goal. And, and I do, I talk about that quite a bit about, you know, a lot of people are striving after old goals or other people's goals that, mm-hmm. that they, you know, they look to the left, they look to the right and they see what other people are doing. They're like, oh, I want to be on the who's who's list or I want to charge mm-hmm. X number of dollars or I want to book this many weddings or I want to photograph at this venue or, or plan at, uh, you know, th- this, you know, a four day event or I want to do a private estate event. Well, you know, I want to do I'm a stationer and I want to do, you know, day of uh, branding for a couple mm-hmm. and like that, like that becomes the measure of success and you drop everything in the effort for that because that's what people have told you to do. And th- that I think, you know, at least for me as, as, as your coach and seeing you, you know, mature and develop as a business owner over the last three plus years is really identifying and clarifying what does success look like to you, redefining that so that you have a really good understanding of it and then making sure that you are hell bent and putting all of that competitive nature and achievement oriented motivation that you have towards that instead of what you were going after, which was more of the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I, my wife and kids would tell you too, that's been a really positive effect you know <laughs> there's been there's just been massive benefits to it um you know and those goals may change right it's like i could if i settle into a pattern where i'm doing 20 and 25 and i'm traveling around then i said i don't want to travel anymore and i want to do like i kind of think as i get older like i might start doing weddings that are like some people are like oh well, i'm going to charge three times as much and do only five weddings and i'm kind of like eh, or maybe i do really easy ones down the street from my house mm-hmm. you know 30 Mm -hmm. times a year. I don't know. Like that also seems like it can be appealing. I just, there's not a recipe. It's just figuring out like what works for you. And then what is the best path forward? Um, I remember, so on our, I thought you were going to tell this story earlier. So I'm going to tell it now. It's funny. Um, On one of our, I had my wife, Whitney, who doesn't traditionally work with me, but she has a really good BS meter. So she also like mainly for me, like she knows when I'm 
BSing. Um, but I had her on our calls with, with you. I'm sure you remember that. Um, yeah. and she likes you now, but at first she was like, nah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, and on one of our first calls, she was, she stopped the conversation. She was like, Sam, I don't want you to turn Carter into you. Like, I don't, I don't want through this process for him to like abandon who he is and, and become the way you are, even if that means more success. And uh, my winning nature was like, I don't know. It seems like an okay trade, (laughs) but uh, you were like, you were like, no, that's a hundred percent. What not what I'm trying to do. Like what we're trying to do is figure out what actually motivates Carter. You know, what is he good at? What do clients resonate with? And then how do we find a combination where those things work effectively? Uh, And she was like, okay, great. And I think actually she wasn't on her next call because she was like, I feel good about, you know, like continue on. <laughs> she, had, uh, she had sniffed it out. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know how many times I've had that conversation with people. It's finding your place of bliss. I learned it from my coach. I yeah. talked about it with my clients, you know, what do your clients need from you? What are you good at doing? And what do you love doing? It, it It's different for everybody and you'll, you'll burn out or, or yeah. fail out if, if all three of those things don't overlap. And, and as well, a coach, it's a frustrating my job answer is too, though. It is a frustrating answer because like when you first said that to me, you were like, we had another call where you're like, this is actually not what you're wanting. I'm pretty sure what you want is this other thing. I didn't really like it, you know, because I was like, I'm paying you good money to tell me how to accomplish the thing I want to accomplish. Uh, but then we hung up and I like, and I was like, oh no, I think he's right. I think that is, you know, and then you stew on it. And you're like, dang it. All right. Like that, maybe that is the the thing that I really want. So I, I appreciated the candid, uh, sometimes irritating nature of the advice you gave. Yeah, well, look, I'm I'm also an Enneagram eight wing seven, so I'm a contrarian, and uh, you know it's interesting. I, I don't speaking of social media, I'm not I, I'm not on it very much personally. In fact, I, uh, I I haven't posted anything in over four years on my personal Instagram account. But on my profile, it says problem finder and solution seeker. Uh, you know, one of the things that I learned very early on is that it you know it doesn't matter how many solutions you have, how many tools you have in the toolkit. If you're pulling out the the wrong solution or the wrong tool, uh, then it doesn't really matter. And so, you know, I think it was Einstein who said, like, give me an hour to think about a problem or to solve a problem. And I'll think about and trying to identify what the what the problem itself is for the first 55 minutes. And I'll spend five minutes trying to solve it. <laughs> and and I, I I think that that's probably how I approach a lot of the work that I do, like. I've got a wealth of information and my best value contribution to anybody that I work with is to help identify the problems. That's You see it in my newsletters, you hear it on my podcast, if you've ever heard me speak live or if you've done coaching work with me um, or, or if you've worked with our team on copywriting, you know that we are constantly digging, 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 trying to get the root of what's really going on and, and also clarifying what, what does success look like? What does happiness look like? What does what does it look like in the destination that we're trying to get to? And once you identify where we really are and where we really want to go, then you can create the path to get there. Sometimes it, it happens quickly. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes clients fight it. Um, sometimes they accept it. Um, but I, I remember our calls. I remember some of them, I'm like, I get done. I'd be like, and I walk upstairs and Katie's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I just had a call where I had to tell somebody that what they wanted me to do wasn't the solution that they really need. And like, that's just always tough. And and then we would get on the call and I remember you're like, I got off the call, Sam. And like, I got to tell you, man, like it hit me like a ton of bricks. And then then like, I broke down and I sat there and I was like, wit, he's right. And like, I got to do this thing. I don't, I don't know if I want to do it. I'm scared to do it, but I got to do it. And I, and I believe it now. I I think that's what holds most people back. Not, are my prices right? Or what planner do I need to work with? Or, yeah. you know, what, what, what should I tweak in my sales process? It's really, am I prepared to take the next step into the unknown? You know, am I going to have somebody to help support me when it's hard? Yeah. Well, and the belief is huge. Like uh, one thing that I've seen, that has been really surprising. I do a lot of sibling weddings, you know, where I did one sibling. Now I'm going to do the other one. And through this process, I've continued doing them. And so I have had families like invest very different amounts mm. in photography uh, with me from two siblings, a couple years apart. And it's like, what changed? One, they knew what they were getting fully from the second one to the first one, because they had already had it. But two, I think I also was better at communicating those things. I believed in it more fully. 
Uh, I'm not woo woo at all. Like, you know, I'm not like neither one of us are. That's what that's the irony of us talking about mindset. Yeah, it's not going to happen. But, but uh, that is, there's something to it, you know, like believing it. I don't know if it changes your posture, the tone of your voice. I'm not sure, but it is very helpful. And, um, yeah, going, going through that certainly, you know, helped me. And then I realized too, like your sales process for clients, like what you're trying to do for me, which is find my problems and then figure out how to fix it is all I'm really trying to do for the client on the call. Right. Like you're doing for me what I'm supposed to be doing for them. It's like, I'm just going to spend a bunch of time figuring out like what are their actual motivations and what are their actual problems and worries? And then how do I fix that? And how do I make them feel how do I provide solutions that make them not be worried about it anymore? Make them feel like they already have it solved because they've hired me. And sometimes it's like, I can't actually fix your problem. Like I, I'm not like, you should go hire this other person. I think they'll be great for you. Uh, but a lot of times it's like, no, like I, every single one of my, okay. Every single one of my clients, not every 95% of my clients panic because they say, we're not very photogenic people. We don't look, we're going to be really awkward. And we don't look good in front of the camera. They all say that. And they all end up really liking their photos and engagement photos. So that is a consistent problem. So if I know that it's a consistent problem, I need to show that that is what the solution is that and, and communicate it. And um, it's just funny how, how often those things are repeated, how cyclical mm-hmm. people's issues are. And then you're like, okay, well, I've seen this before. This is probably what we need to do. And then go from there. Yeah. It's a, it's a consultative selling process. It's called guided discovery. And you already know what needs to be done, but you've got to guide other people to discover it on their own. And that that's the magic of moving people from what's, you know, an unaware state to a problem aware state. I have no idea what I really need to. Oh, now that I now that I see what other people have experienced, I too feel the same way. And and now I recognize that I need a solution to it. And that's what that's what a discovery call is. That's why it's not a sales call, which I've heard it yeah. called that. It's not a it's not a, a consultation in many ways. It's it's truly a discovery call, not necessarily for you to discover what they want to need, but for them to discover yeah. what they want to need. When they have that that epiphany, that moment of self awareness and self understanding, that's when the magic happens. That's when your value doubles because you have the empathy yeah. to understand where they're coming from, and you have the authority to solve the problem. Because by by telling people that you get them. It means that you know what to do next, and that's what they're. That's where the relief by. That's what they're they're comforted by. Yeah, it's a little bit like therapy, maybe. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. It, it it really is in the sense that that you're you're trying to uncover, you know, what's going on deep down. You know, for me, the magic happened when I took this class by Will Leach in the uh, Texas A and M Applied Behavioral Economics program, and. Uh, you know, this this is a course that I took in the middle of when you and I were working together. And this is when I really came out with the, you know, the the, the motivations of like, you really got to get down to like what's driving people emotionally. And when you figure that out, you can then, you know, come up with a, a service or a solution that's that's really going to connect with their their emotional trigger. And and so that that's what you're always looking for. And mm-hmm. and it is emotional. People talk about weddings being an emotional purchase. It is a an emotional purchase, but it's not emotional in the way that most people who say that mean. It's it's not like irrational in the sense that they're just making rash choices and they're like, "Oh, I like yeah, you, no. so I'm going to go with you." It, yeah. Once you can connect that emotion with a with a with a causation, then then it's a compound effect, and that's what that's when you gain the value. Well, especially as you move up in pricing, you know, it's like it's no longer like fire sale, buy one before it's sold tomorrow. Like these people are all taking so long, like most of my clients take kind of a very long, it's a very long process. And so if I'm not connecting with them on some other level, besides like, you know, I only have this one date and somebody else is in, like that just doesn't, it just doesn't work. So you have, you have to connect deeper. And then you realize personally, like, oh man, I got it. I'm going to have to connect deep with these people. Like I better like them. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I want that to be a good fit. It's really not for you. It's kind of actually for me to figure out what I'm getting myself into. And then once there's a match, then we're like, it's perfect, right? I really like them. They really like me. It's uh, the work's better for it and everybody's good to go. Yeah. Man, Carter, I was just thinking, I was like, I looked at the clock and I'm like, wow, we've been on for an hour. I could talk to you for hours. You are so articulate and uh, self-aware and, you know, introspective about how you're running your business. 
I hope that people who are listening to this podcast go back through and listen. Because at one point, no joke, I literally was like, wait a second, I'm interviewing him. What, what question am I supposed to ask next? Because I was just enraptured <laughs> by the way that you were describing things. So this is like, I just watched Oppenheimer and I felt like there are multiple layers to it. And I, I was telling Katie, I was like, hey, babe, we got to watch this one again when it comes out uh, on on you know streaming. Uh, I, I may have to go back and listen to this this interview again because I felt like there was so much good content in there. Uh, thank you, Carter, for, um, you know, not just the time, because I know that it's precious to you, uh, but also the openness and transparency with your business and the sage advice that you're offering for many people. Um, you know, I, I can see why you connect so much with your clients. And uh, I, I hope that people who are listening to this really take a page out of your book, because um, you've got a lot to teach people in how you do things and the way that you look at your business um, I'm, I'm really grateful for the insights that you shared. I appreciate it very much. Dude, you're too nice. I, I, uh, I mean, you know, my working with you and relationship with you has absolutely transformed my life and where I'm at and where I'm doing and the enjoyment I get from it and my family. So, um, it means a lot. I really appreciate it. Sorry. I'm getting teared up on it. That's, <laughs> Uh, But no, it really does mean a lot. And, uh, you know, I think I think finding what you love and 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 then finding a way to do it in a way that is um, that's meaningful and fulfilling is really powerful. And, uh, you know, it's been been a big help. So thank you. Appreciate it. 